Philadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who, I I don't know, have been doing the same goddamn thing for the last three friggin' weeks. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. This is Chuck Siders. I have also reached my quarantine breaking point, so this should be a fun show tonight. <laughs> I have two brain cells to rub together. I took a lot of comfort in uh, Elmo's dad, like the the Muppet that is Elmo's father, um, talking to parents directly going, take a little time for yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, is, this is hard, <laughs> but you deserve to take a little time for yourself. I'm like, thank you, Elmo's creepy dad. I do. <laughs> um I, I think I said I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I don't know where you can find Elmo's creepy dad. We're coming back to that. <laughs> so, just so you know, I'm not letting that go. This is uh, this is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, the only way I know what day of the week it is is because when I turn on the computer, these two are here. So then I know it's Sunday. <laughs> Uh, now, Chuck, yes. you are the only one that has uh, children right now that are of Sesame Street watching age. So yes. is is Elmo's dad a character? Elmo's dad is a character. Um, okay. He's been it's around... like a newer thing, right? Yeah, it's a newer. I, I don't know. Newer thing from when my <laughs> from when my niece, who is now a mother and in her 30s, stopped being a child to yeah. when Connell came around, my oldest, who's now five. Elmo's father was introduced. And back when Kevin Clash uh, did the voice of Elmo, yeah, um, it was a little creepy because his father, for some reason, is like from the South. I think like okay. he had that accent that I sort of did. And, and Elmo himself, well, Kevin Clash, not Elmo, had a thing for underage boys. Right, right, right. A consensual thing thing for underage boys if that makes it any less horrific but um so you would have elmo whose voice was at that time being done by a creep going yes daddy oh daddy can you help me and like elmo's what yes elmo i can come here and sit on daddy's lap oh you know i like sitting on daddy's lap i'm like jesus christ and now uh, so elmo's dad is basically foghorn leghorn i uh, kind of yes yeah and but I just don't want to think of Elmo uh, like having parents. Like, I don't want to think of Elmo being created because of a sexual act. When one Muppet loves another Muppet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's disturbing me right now. Well, Muppets can reproduce asexually. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, th these are monsters. So they're not just Muppets. They're they're monsters. Elmo is of the monster family. Um, some people say all monsters look like, but that makes you racist. Thank you, Avenue Q. Um, but so we know maybe Elmo's father cloned himself. Maybe it was asexual reproduction. We really don't know if the, the, the Muppets actually did it. Um, just but, so you know, the, the, t the title of this episode is going to be Muppet sex. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Let's but, just, can but, we just, all right, I, I'm sorry. I came back to this actually. No, no, but I have to say it was like the, the kids have, in 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 big picture have been great during this they really have um in the smaller picture they are fighting with one another they are irritable they're not napping they are they are a lot and 
so I had my day with the kids. You know, my wife was working. I get up at them on Sundays and they're in bed. I get a moment to myself and I open up YouTube and pops up like suggestions for me, like Elmo's father talking <laughs> against the brick backdrop PSA for parents and like Elmo's calling for him. But it, it really, it was like a 30 second PSA. And I'm like, thank you. I needed that Sesame Street. I needed that. So like, you watched breath without children. You just, this was what was recommended to you. And you were like, eh, good call, YouTube. With, well, it's based on my input. It's like we watch the, you know, Sesame Street and whatnot. It's not just like, like right, all the odds of you stuff. this getting suggested to Eugene are probably very low. Well, I will tell yeah. you, th this sounds very opposite of what gets suggested to me. Mostly, what's getting suggested to me lately are um, and uh, poorly recorded NFL games from uh, 1983 through 1989. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's get to our rewatch for this week. Or for me, it was my first watch of this. For me as well, my first watch. Uh, me too. Yeah, too. So, Gene, you had us watch the 1984 USFL championship game, uh, the Philadelphia Stars versus the Arizona Wranglers. Yeah, and uh, the the one thing that I regret is I should have picked a game where the two teams wore uniforms that looked less exactly the fucking same. <laughs> Well, yeah, they looked like a home and road version of the same uniform. So yeah. I, I said you guys looked like a Redskins inner squad game. Um, and, and was it just me or could you make out exactly zero thing that was on the helmet from any considerable that's, distance? That's funny. I had that in my note it was the goal of the USFL to make their like logos as muddy as humanly possible. Even the even if you could see it clearly, the stars logo and I don't know. I hope I can describe this. You know, if you haven't seen it before, so it's oh, a I can. star, but it's like four stars very close to one another. All right. Uh, picture the Dallas Stars logo, like not their new one, their older one, where it said stars in the A. That is the exact same logo as the Philadelphia Stars, but the Philadelphia Stars had like a like a shadow effect of like three or four star bottoms stacked on one another. It's like a called, cascading. It's, it's called yes. the star search effect. <laughs> and then they had the, the <laughs> 70s uh, stars right there. So, so even if you could see the star, it didn't look like a star. It looked like some sort of porcupine. And I still don't know what the Wranglers logo is. Like, I So the Wranglers know. logo is a uh, a brand. Oh, like, that makes like sense. It was the W at the end of like a like like a cattle brand. Yeah, but a it was so iron? it was so branding iron. Yes, yes. It was yes. so small, <laughs> like brand. it should have just been like like the the W was branded onto the helmet, like the helmet was the ass of the steer. Yeah, that and... would that would have been cool, like a like a burnt in yeah image. Yeah, and I I mean, in the fact that both teams wore like the strangest shade of gold, like it was it was gold. And they both were like gold and, and some yeah, burgundy and gold. Or yeah, some yeah. sort of shade of red. Yeah, it was weird. So I got to say, I'm really shocked I had no knowledge of this event. Me as well. Me as well. Now, um, like I would have thought I would have heard on WIP someone go like, we have had a, a football championship. The, the Stars won in 84. 
And they also won in 83. Bury the lead there. No, 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 no. I think they lost in Oh, they lost? Okay. They lost by two points in 83. Harbor. And they tried their damnedest to lose this game, too. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, so, they they were sort of a dynasty because I think that they went to the to the final game in both 83, 84, and 85. I don't think 85. 85 featured uh, Jim Kelly versus Steve Young. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And Steve, uh, Jim Kelly, I don't know if you guys hung in for, for, um, for the halftime of this game. Jim Kelly was the interview. He was the, uh, had just been named MVP of the 84 season. Yeah, but not quarterback of the year. Uh, nope. The uh, the Baltimore Stars were in the 1985 USFL Championship game, which is the oh, same, wow. which is the same franchise as the Philadelphia Stars. Right. Who is the who was Steve Young the, the quarterback uh, of the Baltimore Stars? Uh, well. Oh no! Wait a second. I I think. Uh, so, all right, here, I'm very confused here because I'm just looking at this season. It says uh, Eastern Conference champions, uh, the Birmingham Stallions, the Western Conference champions, the Oakland Invaders, champion Philadelphia Baltimore Stars. <laughs> so now I'm very confused. <laughs> I thought I had seen a listing that it was Philadelphia playing in that in that game. but like, th- And this really does kind of come down to the bigger conversation about this league. This league is confusing as hell, and it's probably one of the reasons why it it totally, totally failed. I'll tell you one of the reasons, some of the reasons why it didn't fail. I thought the quality of the actual play was pretty damn good. Um, I thought that the presentation was, and I've been watching a lot of games from this era right now, because I have literally nothing better to do, um, was pretty on par with all of the other presentation you would have seen on a Sunday afternoon um watching uh, a college game or a football game so much so that you had lynn swan and uh keith jackson call the game so it sounded exactly like any college football game uh i remember from my youth um i there was a there was some talk during the, the game where apparently there was a hot debate in philadelphia so if you were in a wawa if a wawa was even a thing in 1984 you probably would have had a debate across the aisle with some uh, Joe Sixpack who was like, oh, the Eagles could kick the shit out of the stars. Uh, and then, you know, if you were a much more astute football fan, you might have been like, well, actually, uh, the stars could probably give them a hell of a game. Uh, you know so- what, Gene? I don't know, man, because that's the whole reason that the stars left Philadelphia, right? Was because the Eagles were so threatened, like insanely popular. Like the fans just really didn't care about the stars. It was and, all and, Eagles. And maybe that's what it was. I I purposely did not go uh, look into why the stars left. I so this to- whole thing got screwed up because the owner of the stars wa- moved to Baltimore because they couldn't compete with the Eagles. But part of the deal with letting the Colts go to Indianapolis and leave Baltimore was that no, they couldn't have any professional football played in that stadium for a year so the stars just had nowhere to go so so what oh so it was the philadelphia stars moved to baltimore and then we're told and the colt left so only one year the stars only played in baltimore for one year and then they were told uh sorry you guys we don't know where to go and And then the league dissolved and they're basically a a three-time 
they were basically the, the closest thing that that league had to a dominant team. Yeah, yeah, and they actually did win that eighty-five game. So that that's a two in a three-year league, they were a two-time champion. Yes, and appeared in the other championship game and lost right. by two points. Yeah, so that's <laughs> I mean they really should be like this mythic Philadelphia icon, but they are absolutely without a doubt like the forgotten chapter of Philadelphia sports in a lot of ways for me. I knew that, that it, it, they existed. I knew that they had won a USFL championship. I knew nothing about any of the players. I knew really very little about the league itself, except for the, a couple of names that I knew had, you know, you would hear like, oh yeah, so-and-so played in the, you know, Jim Kelly was one of the ones specifically I was thinking of, uh, you know, his, if he had played in the NFL, this, you know, his, some of his best years were in the USFL. Same thing with Reggie White. Um, who played for Memphis, the uh, Riverboats. They were also a playoff team. Um, so Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. Um, yeah. I was when they did at the beginning of the game. They did the uh, they announced the players, and uh, I was listening for players that either names I recognized, which were very very few. Uh, but I did. I think I re- recognized William Frizzell. Did any did that name jump out to anybody else? Uh, I think that he was a uh, on those Buddy Ryan defenses, but that was literally the only name that sparked any kind of a recognition as somebody in that particular game that went on to have um, a recognizable NFL career. The you know what the name that jumped out to me was the Philadelphia uh, punter. I think it was had the last name Trout. Oh uh, no, I thought Sean Landetta was also in that game. Sean, I missed that. I, I missed think Sean that. Land, I think, and not only that, but um, I, I think that they made a point that he had only come out to sh- to punt once. Uh, perhaps, but it's. I, I, I'm going to be honest. The amount of attention I actually paid uh, <laughs> to the game was uh, not that great. But what. What struck, uh, what jumped out to me was we had a kicker named Trout, and the I stopped the game and immediately looked up to see if this was Mike Trout's dad. Uh, it is not, but I thought that'd be an interesting story. Yeah, I think he is. I think he was the place kicker who was pretty terrible in this game. Actually, he was. He was kicking in general was pretty terrible in this game. At no point was there ever a point where the NFL was not. Pl- were they playing during this strike? So with this, I guess the the seasons were not concurrent because this championship game was held in July, uh, July twelfth, something like that. Uh, so I think that this I think that this league started as soon as the NFL wrapped up. The game was played probably around July twelfth. This is when the championship game was, and uh, it was played in a neutral site in Tampa, uh, in a stadium that no longer exists, and in a lot of pollution. Yeah, well, that no, opening shot of Tampa. <laughs> well, no, they had had thunderstorms all day. Oh, okay. that was the tail end of a of a line of thunderstorms. Although I'm sure Tampa is probably not exactly uh, high on the non smog counter, um, but they had an 18 game season. I don't know that each team played 18 games, but they had an 18 game season. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it seemed my, the thing that struck me absolutely the most is how at 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 some point the networks bought into this in a way that I don't remember them ever buying into uh, another professional football league since not even the world league, I think had the same kind of like presentation that was pretty equal to 
um, what you would see on the main networks. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Maybe the World League did have a better uh, a better following. I also remember the World League football being horrible to watch. Just absolutely atrocious as far as the actual quality of the game. So um, that was my takeaway as far as that goes. Um, and then I would say that watching the Philadelphia Stars, there were a couple players. I don't know if there's anybody that jumped out at you. Um that jumped out to me that were like, how are these guys not well-known NFL players? Did something happen to them that um, that prevented them from going on the league? Was there anybody that jumped out to you guys? Uh, Sam Mills. Is that the the father of, like, Saints linebacker Sam Mills? Might be, but that was another name that kind of, like, rang a bell. And um, obviously Jim Mora. Yeah, Jim Mora, yeah. obviously. Um uh, the Stars running back, um, Bryant, I thought, uh, had yeah, a pretty— Kelvin Bryant. Kelvin Bryant. I thought that he had a really, really good game. He was the—I think they said that he was the MVP of the league in 83. Had had, a, had some knee issues and had come back late in 84. And, uh, I mean, that Philadelphia Stars uh, offensive line and their running game seemed pretty dominant for large stretches of that game. They seemed like they could chuck off— six or seven yards in a, in a, in a row without any real issue. Um, I think that the Wranglers would have had a much better chance in this game. Had they had any ability to catch the ball, there were so many drop passes and um, yeah, their, their offense just never could get anywhere. It was funny. One of the things they kept saying on the broadcast was that um, uh, the Wranglers coach who was a very famous coach, Redskins coach, uh, Allen, Paul Allen, maybe, um, he he used to have a saying that was, uh, if you give me three turnovers, I'll beat you. Um, and he had gotten two of the three, I think, by halftime and, and definitely got the third in the second half, uh, and they still lost. Like, that Wranglers offense just could not do anything against the Stars defense. So I thought that that was kind of an interesting factoid they kept coming back to. I think trying to, trying to set up what they thought was going to be the inevitable Wrangler comeback that just never never seemed to develop. Well, I was getting nervous because when you w the link that you sent was from an ESPN classic uh, game, you know, obviously the re-airing of the of the ABC broadcast, but on ESPN classic. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a classic game. And it was pretty much just stars all the way. I was getting concerned because of all the like there was a, a miss PAT, a miss field goal a fumble at the one an interception at the red zone uh, right on the goal, you know, and it just seemed like, Oh God, this is either going to get really close towards the end of the game or it's going to wind up being an upset. Um, and it was actually kind of cool to watch it. Cause I really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, stars all the way. Yeah. I fell for that same thing when it was like ESPN classic. And my first fear was like, please don't show up with the, the complaint I had before. Uh, right. You know, in this historic game, the, the <laughs> Philadelphia Stars coughed up a 30-point lead only to, like, <laughs> and they really didn't. They didn't touch, you know, outside of showing the score more often and the date of the game. Um, they really didn't add too much to it. Um, but I was lulled into, I'm like, okay. They're, this game's going to turn around soon. And it really was not a classic game. It was a retro game, a, mm -hmm. <laughs> a game that happened yeah. in the past. But, I mean, it was a it was a blowout. Um, 
you know, a couple of things that stood out to me about the the style of the game and the broadcast. Man, I miss an older style broadcast. The game breathe, you know, had a little more room to breathe. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel slow. I wonder if a, a more modern viewer, someone who didn't grow up with this style of broadcast, would feel like not enough is happening, not enough, you know, information is being given to me. But just seeing you know, the players go off the field after a play ends and new people come on as opposed to five times replay of the, you know, run for one yard. And that stood out to me. Also, the size of the pads <laughs> and the roided up players, <laughs> like they're like freaking giants out there. And it was brutal. I mean, uh, Several months back, I think there was a uh, show titled The NFL You Know Is Dying. And then I watched that. And I'm like, oh, fuck, it already died. Like we're on <laughs> we're on like third, fourth generation of a, a new style of football because this game, it was intense. It was really hard hitting, huge guys, not a lot of penalty flags being thrown. It was it was a, a brand of football I forgot about. Yeah, there was no such thing as pass interference in 1984. Yeah. <laughs> there was like li- almost every play if you would just focus in on on the d- defensive back play, they all of these things every single play would have been called. They there was hand checking, hand fighting, literally just running right into the middle of routes and basically hip checking uh, wide receivers off of routes. Um it was it was the the rules are com- completely different now it makes uh, it makes the reason why you 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 i think that the style of football in that era was much more bent towards running attacks was because it was just really really hard to complete a pass it was really hard to get a guy open because defensive backs could just they could maul you um yeah i i I, I noticed a lot of that too, uh, but Chuck, just to go back to the broadcast, as soon as the 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 program started, and I got Keith Jackson in mm-hmm. my ears, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is going to be <laughs> so great!" And you know, with him, with Lynn Swan, and you know, when you think about something like that compared to. Sunday night football with Collinsworth and Michaels and Tafoya and all this crap that is being put in your face with these, uh, I don't know, these graphics of Deshaun Jackson in an an Eagle costume flying into a nest and some other bullshit like that. You know, it was just nice just to watch the game i didn't need a yellow line i knew where the first down markers were certainly didn't need a green zone or anything like that i didn't need arrows laid on the field it was just i'm watching a football game kind of like how i would watch it if i was there yes and it's so funny you mentioned the yellow line i'm so accustomed to that now and I didn't even miss it. I didn't nope. even think of that. Nope. Like until it, you mentioned it right now, I didn't think of it. It was just as if you were there accompanied with professional commentary that wasn't opinionated or slanted. It was just at, gave you information and told you what was happening on the field in a, in a very professional manner. And, yeah. and that's why I think that you, you, 
you know, especially people that grew up listening to, to the football and, and, and sports the way that we kind of did, there, there was a, a, a different kind of professionalism. Not to, not to say that they weren't trying to entertain, but it really was that they were trying as best they could to not necessarily find the plot in the game or find the, the angle or the story or take the hot take. They were just trying to enhance the, 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 what was already happening. They were trying to give yeah. you the, literally the color of the game. They were trying mm-hmm. to give you the stat that was important for the situation. They were trying to give you uh, the information or the back, a little bit of background on particular uh, plays or particular situations. But for the most part, they were letting the game tell its own story instead of having uh, a guy like Chris Collinsworth, who loves to jump all over a play with a hot take before it's even even decided. And I'll be yeah. honest, because comparatively this weekend, uh, because I just wanted to bask in, in glory of Philadelphia <laughs> championships, I rewatched last night, I watched Super Bowl 52. And the thing I did different, and they have it up on NFL.com, I recommend that you watch it again because there's no reason not to. Uh, you've got nothing better to do other than to watch the Super Bowl again. Trust me, it's just as good. Um, but I, I watched it on mute. There was no sound, no commentary. And let me tell you, a lot of those get those plays that were were close in the Super Bowl and admittedly biased. Like <laughs> Zach Ertz scored that touchdown. It really wasn't as close as 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 they made it out to be. Um that the touchdown in the back of the uh, Corey Clement, it's not it's real like watching it again like it's not it was not that controversial. Like those plays were called correctly. They really were. And yeah, that that was kind of like my biggest takeaway from watching this game is just like, hey, this is what this is what professional sports commentary is supposed to be like. And it, it got me thinking, like, is that why we actually like Romo? Is Romo of this style where he's just letting the players be the star of the show and he's giving you the inside information? and the insight that you're looking for that enhances your viewing experience. It's not like who can scream the loudest or, or have the biggest reaction or um, have the most slanted take. It's just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a football expert and I'm going to share my expertise with you while these guys on the field entertain you. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. And I hate the narrative building. I hate it. Let it happen naturally or not at all. Have something else to talk about. You know, Chris Collinsworth um, does what you described, Gene. He latches on to one play. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, it all comes down to that turnover in the first drive. You know, just think if they hadn't made that turnover. We're 20 minutes removed from that. Everyone has forgotten about the turnover because it all comes down to that turnover in the first drive. <laughs> like let these moments happen organically, you know, just, and Joe Buck is, it's more pronounced in baseball, but I hate his world series coverage because it, it'll be again, like, you know, uh, up comes to the plate. Uh, the Mike Trout comes to the plate and, you know, he is hitless today. 
Like he's had one at bat. Like, like, you know, is this going to be the story? Will will they go down because of his, you know, inability to act at the plate today? And then like hits a single. Only a single. Chuck, Mike Trout game. doesn't play a playoff game. I know, I know. I, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was Manny Ramirez. I'm like, no, pick somebody else. And then I'm like, don't just pick a Philly. And then I panicked and I wanted to get to the joke. <laughs> but uh, uh, and. I, back at the broadcast once again, I don't know if someone who didn't grow up in the the era would enjoy it as much just because I really quickly forgot about just how poor the graphics were. You know, it it didn't it didn't jump out to me outside of the first two or three times like, oh, yeah, this is essentially like someone holding up a slide in front of the camera. <laughs> right. You know, it's just because. I adjusted pretty quickly to the the technology of the day, but it was just so nice to just let the game breathe a little. You know, sports doesn't have to appeal to all people. If you have to work so hard to get somebody to be interested in sports, maybe sports isn't for them. That's fine. You know, right. And that's, but, and that's no. been my big argument with all these people that want to reinvent the game of baseball to make it more interesting yes. to people. It's, it's, you know, I don't want to see extra innings come down to putting a man on second base and only having two outs. Like, I don't want to see them go to a, go to a home Who run Who recommended derby. the home run derby? Was that uh, Bellinger? Yeah. I, I, I don't want to see that kind of nonsense. Like, the, I, I like the game of baseball. I, yeah. I, when I, you know, if I'm at a game and it's going to go extra innings, I'm not one of those people that, like, slams my head in frustration with the fact that i'm going to get more baseball no i yeah. usually used to i used to turn to my pop and say hey we got free baseball tonight we only paid for nine innings get free baseball i you just know? gotta say the scorecard they give you in the program like can we start having at least like 12 innings I feel on like that, that thing would it kill you yeah to print an extra three whatever or just include in the in just insert like an extra nine who cares i mean how much is it co- kill a couple trees who cares you put it back to that thing and then you know there you go what we really should do flip here, it over. here's our million dollar idea dave we should come up with a way to do to score games <laughs> there ain't nothing on a scorecard that's going to generate a million dollars <laughs> we sh- we sh- we should come up with a way that you can keep score at a at a baseball game like as an app so you could take like a uh, you know they don't have it I know they don't. That's what I've I'm looked saying. for it. They don't have it. I've looked for it too. We just they only have it. it for like if you're managing a little league team. Right. Well, that doesn't. I don't. I I used to manage manage a grade school team, which was. I was close. considering opening an account and then just adding all the players on the little league team as like the players on the Phillies. Oh yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> Do they have to be like little sprites that are like childlike, and no, no. <laughs> they'd have to have like generic red hats. <laughs> i gotta Favorite say while we're on the subject real quick real quick the there's a um there's a uh a, a, a scorecard book called the half liner it's a it's a 30 dollar 81 uh game scorebook it's the best scorecard you could ever find on the market anywhere just in case you're curious so there you go there you go the half liner so if you've got Probably that if you've got that half game season ticket package to the phillies well you got a full game Oh yeah, you got the whole you got a full got the whole, season. Yeah, yeah, so that most people uh, that'll probably last them a couple of years. Yeah, it could rest the rest of your life, you know, depending on. Man, how old I, you I, are. I hope to God I'm gonna turn <laughs> I'm gonna turn forty. I hope to God that I don't only have to use one of those books. That's how many baseball games I'm gonna see for the rest of my life. That would be a terrible yeah. stat. All right, but we got sidetracked back to the USFL. Hey Chuck, you, you, Twilight you, Zone episode. I want to see that real quick. It's like here is 
these are all the ones for the rest of your life. And like the last one, the score is written in. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a we scary. You can make that happen. It's like a, amazing stories or something. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back to the USFL. Chuck, you watched the 30 for 30 this week, didn't you? I did. I did. I, I had really fond memories of it. Um, it's a little different than I remember. It's uh, called Small Potatoes Who Killed the uh, USFL. Uh, the answer is Donald Trump, <laughs> um, at least according to this uh, documentary. So this all started because the 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 USFL played in the spring, right? Yep. Spring to summer, which uh, to me, playing an outdoor football game in Tampa in July seems psychotic. But yeah. OK, we'll roll with it. And then the whole issue is they decided to move it to run like like parallel with the NFL season. Correct. And then file a. a what like a monop something like nfl had a monopoly on football antitrust right 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 they filed an antitrust lawsuit uh against the nfl um that they ultimately won saying that they can't get any headway on all any major network the nhl the nfl is on them all right uh they did win that lawsuit and were awarded the grand total of three dollars what's that about um, essentially the idea is, I think the jury thought the lawsuit was in bad faith and, you know, they moved from an area in which they had availability on a majority of networks, right. You know, had contracts with ABC and ESPN, which weren't the same company back then and moved to an area in the fall that limited their opportunity and so they decided, yes, the NFL did have a monopoly on football in the fall, but this wasn't you you weren't caught unaware. This wasn't you had a successful product, moved it to a time and then did a lawsuit. Um, so they so was, more the move, was the move with the whole intention of moving the schedule was to file this lawsuit and force no a merger. Say- no one would say for certain there was a lot of conjecture that, yeah, that's what Trump was behind. He wanted to be a NFL owner, but the NFL didn't want him. Specifically, he so, wanted to buy the Bills, right? Yeah, I feel like that was later, though. I I know for certain he did want to buy the Bills at some point. So is this I, like our version of, like, had had somebody just let Hitler be a painter? If, if the NFL had just let um, <laughs> Donald Trump buy the Bills, we would... We, we would all be able to go outside and play. Yeah, exactly. I was just <laughs> gonna say that. That's that's wild, man. Oh wow. And and the we'd have baseball right now if Trump was able to buy an NFL team. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a different Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> but the the Trumpian habits, you know. They're all present there. You know, he he literally said, like, did he say good things about me? If he said bad <laughs> things about me, tell me and I'll and I'll attack him. <laughs> and like and it's from the 80s. The the guy who's making the documentary was a film person with the USFL. And Trump's going to him. It's like, uh, this is my man, John. I think his name was. I don't really remember. John, he's he's the best. He's the best. Now, John, you only show the good stuff, right? Right, John? Cut around. This guy's a genius. Like, the constant, <laughs> like, Trump bullshit and 
like the glad handing and and whatever and it might have been charming in the 80s unless you had to do business with him right but by the time the documentary came around this was 2009 he was already the caricature from the apprentice and then um we made him president <laughs> oh boy yeah but so anything I, else about this game? Well, I, I I guess the only other thing I would want to say is why Chuck and Dave, do you think that we have not seen another another league uh succeed? Both the World League and the XFL. The XFL, who I honest to God, I watched some XFL this year. I was enjoying it. Um I feel like that's one of these things that it's just it may end up being a a casualty of our times, but um, you know, I, I think that there was potential that they had found somewhat of a formula that might have have worked um mm-hmm. but the the first incarnation of the xfl just you know it came out like a shot and then deflated real quick and the and the world league of professional football i think just the the idea of trying to to get teams you know that many places over the course of a season um probably became cost prohibitive um, but this championship game had almost 60,000 people for the USFL championship game in July in Tampa Bay, two hours removed from a massive thunderstorm. That you know, That's a neutral site. That tells me that there was some interest in having year-round football. And I wonder, do you guys have any thoughts as to what it is that has prevented it from somebody coming back in for a spring league and having success? I, I do think the best shot at it was going to be this most recent iteration of the XFL. And it, it reminded me of the, the USFL uh, uh, from the documentary that took its product seriously. That's a big difference from the first version of the XFL, where it was a gimmick. And they wanted to play into the like professional wrestling aspects of it. Um, but this most recent iteration of the XFL... You know, if it just stayed small potatoes, to use Trump's own words against him, and just establish a bit of a foothold, it could really be a NFL feeder league. It could be a area to, you know, maybe poach a few players coming right out of college, you know, to, you know, put a couple years in in the XFL and then move on to the NFL, something like that. So or, or really... on the other end of the spectrum, because it sounded like in the USFL, there was a lot of guys who maybe also the, the NFL was smaller at the time. There were yes. at least yeah. two less teams um, that maybe there were some guys that wanted to continue playing that couldn't make a roster, but mm-hmm. could go into the USFL and still be a viable guard tackle tight end, you know, certain, certain positions that might be, you know, you could be a 38, 39, 40 year old quarterback in the USFL possibly. Um, You know, these are the, you know, you could see a lot of guys that are third string uh, backups on an NFL roster that could go and start for this other league. So it would be interesting to see if that had, you know, if, if, if it doesn't end up a casualty, if there's a way that next year they can get it going. I think it's day might've passed. You know, the it, it might be able to have life for a few years or, again, you know, function like the World League of Football that eventually became NFL Europe. That was sort of like uh, the closest thing the NFL had to a minor league system outside of college football. Um, 
but you know participation in football is is dropping you know the the nfl has 32 teams that's a lot of that's a lot of teams for when the talent only comes from one country you know all the other leagues you know are, are fed through players around the world so i don't know if the football i don't think it's at its apex anymore its apex is probably five, 10 years ago. And it just, you know, maybe the XFL comes back and maybe it has a 10, 15 year run. Eh, let's say 10 year run, but it, I don't think it has legs. I think that window for a second professional football league uh, probably is closed. See, I'm looking at it from a different standpoint. I'm looking at the strength of the NFL, you know, whether it's high or low, I feel like when the the strength of the NFL is lower, that gives a more opportunity for a secondary league to step in and fill in summer. I, I think the NFL didn't have such a huge head start back when the USFL uh, came, you know, into existence. And then by the time World League and XFL one came in, NFL was so dominant that there really just wasn't room in the football world for it to breathe. I think the USFL did some things right in terms of putting teams in cities that didn't have NFL teams, which is important. So, I mean, I get you strike the big population cities, but when you're talking about, you know, they had a Jacksonville team before the Jaguars were there. They had a Memphis team before, you know, the Titans were there. They had a team in Portland. Um, So they were kind of, you know, I think pretty smart about picking their spots. Yes, they hit the major cities, but um, yeah, I, I think that worked to their advantage. And then baseball, like, you know, how powerful is baseball, you know, as far as if you're going to have a league during the summer, you got to, you got to compete with baseball too. And, you know, where, where's baseball now versus where's baseball then I think that there is, a, you know, a bit, a bit, a better opportunity for an NFL summer league right now because baseball just kind of isn't as powerful as it used to be. And I think that you made an interesting thing, maybe unintentionally there, when you said an NFL summer t- uh, summer league. If you were to have true buy-in from the NFL, to almost to almost like you you had, uh, you know, like you have with the the G League for the NBA, I think that. If the NFL was to partner is probably not the right word, but if there was somehow the affiliation, you could then have a certain interest from fan bases because the league that was going on before uh, before the XFL, what was it last year? I'm totally drawing a blank on its acronym, but there was a league that was playing previous summer and the teams they would say, you know, like I think the San Antonio team was affiliated with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it was simply a matter of like the guys on that roster the Eagles had like a right of first refusal or something. I don't even know if anybody from that league moved on to the Eagles main roster. They probably didn't. But, you know, if even if it was that sort of a loose affiliation, you know, if you told me that like the St. Louis team was going to be tied to the Eagles, well, now I've got a natural rooting interest to watch these players because there's a chance I might see one of them on uh, an NFL roster. Now, the NFL may not have interest in that because they have really sort of tried to promote themselves as a 365 day a year league you know they 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 have the super bowl end in february and then you know you go right into draft prep uh and and combine uh through through march and april um so you know that's that's the league this is going to be such a bizarre year it's going to be interesting to see how the nfl draft is done is it going to be done over zoom who knows that'll be crazy um 
you know, are starting our, our summer, our, uh, you know, is there going to be rookie camps? Obviously, those things start in May. We're, you know, we're not going to see rookie camps. <laughs> I'm just picturing it like, Howie, you're on mute. <laughs> Howie, you're on mute. <laughs> Could someone please tell Jerry Jones to mute? <laughs> Jerry. I'm picking Jerry. up a lot of you know, wind. Someone's outside. Can everyone who's not drafting right now please go on mute? <laughs> you need to mute your audio and video when you enter the draft room. <laughs> I, it's 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 crazy it is literally insane you know or maybe it'll be done like with animation it'll just be voiceover we'll have you know we'll have some sort of rudimentary uh computer graphic roger goodell who's going to go into some virtual like uh draft room it'll all you know it'll all be hosted online it's 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 gonna the whole world is just we're we're finding new and interesting ways to to enjoy sports you know as best we can i i imagine that the these retro game channels uh you know there's a reason why the nfl is now putting up so many retro games because they they need to find a way to get clicks <laughs> and that's the way to well, do it i mean it. wrestlemania last night well and, they, and they, tonight they, it was like a two-night thing oh it's a tonight too yeah. they 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 just announced that they're they're broadcasting <laughs> and we've talked about this before they're doing like 16 hours of esports including uh nhl 2020 tournaments and madden tournaments so you know and and, espn's got the 2k tournament with the players and i i am uh i will proudly admit that like that's one of the things that i've been doing in this gap i want to see a game that i don't know the result of i've got to watch two guys play uh play nhl 2020 right now because i don't know how that one ends you know that like that's that's kind of like literally where i'm at you i mean so just to talk about that for like a quick second. The 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 physical physical competition that does not have predetermined outcomes right now that you can find right are basically like survivor competitions and MTV's the challenge competitions. I'm just putting it out there. Those are physical competitions that you do not know the result of. Well, and I mean, and obviously those things were all taped. Right. I mean, they, they happened, yeah. but you don't know the result. We don't know the result. But that's the thing is you, you've been left with in this world of esports and reality TV. Uh, it's like basically what it was like to be alive in um, June of 2001. Because that's where all that was going on. <laughs> all right. And on that note, do we want to move on to our, our desert island top fives? Our, sur- our survivor, our own version of survivor. Top five, baby. Woo! So I think Chuck, I would do that know, every what, week. What are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about snacks. 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 Um, <laughs> on that note, you know, I mentioned my kids a lot in this show. Um, my son's soccer team from the fall, they got to name themselves, and they uh, wore black. So they named themselves the Black Snacks because it was their favorite part of the game was when they got snacks afterwards. Not like um, the black attack, the black snacks. The black snacks, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, it was pretty <laughs> damn good. Um, and when I attempted to drill down, I'm like, what sort of snacks are we talking about? Dave shut me down pretty quick. It's like, no, just snacks. <laughs> just well, snacks. Because I, I didn't know <laughs> where to go unknown. with this. So I didn't know where to go with this exactly either. But I was like, you know what? What the hell? Let's just see what everyone comes up with. <laughs> <laughs> Because I hate it when we have repeats. I don't want any repeats. <laughs> All right. And well, on my number one, you're, you might be like, that's not a snack. But I'm okay with it. 
All right. Well, who wants to start? I think uh... I started last week. Gene, you start. Yeah. Okay. So um, I-, I did not rank mine in any particular order. Why don't you rank them? This is like every week we get into this. I don't, and I don't like, like I didn't I rank, like to them. rank them. things. All right. All right. I'll rank them real quick. I'll rank them, <laughs> rank them real quick. All right. I'll go while Gene is ranking. <laughs> this is always also when the show starts to disintegrate, by the way. <laughs> Uh, I need some more water. We're going to be here for a while. Uh, Grab a snack five. while you're at it. Especially if they're salty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is salty. Uh, it is not sweet. It is buttery and it's garlicky garlic bread. That is my number five snack. Uh, whether it be a side to a meal or it's late night and you're a little drunk or if you're stoned, if you do that kind of thing, I do not. Um, not judging. I'm just a grown man now. Um, but, um, uh, if you, you can't go wrong with garlic bread, be it on a piece of toast, like the pre-made Texas toast, or you get like a French baguette and just smother your Italian bread. Garlic bread is my number five snack. Or do you, uh, do you do that in like the toaster oven? Conven- I do not own a toaster oven. oven. Um, conventional oven, top, uh, top rack. Yeah. 350 um probably more like 375 400 okay. all right wow you like it like well done uh I'll, yeah I'll, I'll jump in because my number five is cinnamon toast uh and uh okay. I, there are there are two schools of thought for the cinnamon toast there is the person that makes the toast then butters the bread then applies the cinnamon and sugar uh there is also the folks that make the bread butter cinnamon sugar all and then bake um two very different results uh, I was raised to toast, then apply the uh, the fixins, as we like to say. Um, so <laughs> that is uh, that is my preferred method of cinnamon toast. But uh, really, honestly, this should just encompass all types of toast. I also like butter and jelly toast, and just straight butter toast. Uh, in fact, I am fairly certain that um, that toast is what caused my diabetes. Uh, it's it. I blame toast. Wow, that's bold, man! To just blame one one specific snack, it was either, and then put it on your list. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I I now I now take extra insulin just so I can continue to have toast. Should insulin be on your list? It's a, it's a deserted island. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that I've got a, a lifetime supply of uh, okay, or or they they've sent me a, like a robotic pancreas. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I'm gonna start pretty basic with my number five. Um, I'm going Cheez Its. That is that is a snack, man. That is like <laughs> like so we need set dressing for a snack, and here here's a box of Cheez Its. <laughs> it's the best. I don't know what the cracker. I I don't know cracker chip. It's a cracker. It's definitely yeah, a, it's cracker, cracker, really right? a cracker, right? <laughs> There's just something about a box of Cheez Its. That disappears. I think my house could go through a box of Cheez Its a day. If there were seven boxes of Cheez Its in the house, they would be gone in a week. Now, do you dip that shit in peanut butter? No, no. Dip that shit in peanut butter. And I'm a and I dip it in no no no. I, and I'm a I'm a, an original Cheez It fan. I don't want any um like dusting on my Cheez Its yeah, that would no. you know I don't like the um white chocolate. Uh, white cheddar yeah, yeah, yeah or the yeah. Uh, the buffalo or any any of that nonsense i like just the regular cheese i'll even take the uh, extra toasty cheeses 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the more brown ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I used to like a little a little canned cheese. That spray cheese on the cheese, it like oh, that's double extra cheese. Yeah, extra <laughs> and cheese. Sorry, cheese my peanut butter man. was my peanut butter was blasphemy, but the like cheese whiz <laughs> on cheese it's well, not, it's not, <laughs> not cheese. I want to put peanut butter on a little tiny cheese it. Uh, and yeah, f- fuck cheese nips, man. <laughs> yeah, that is the go box of the cheese cracker world. <laughs> All right. All right. So is it back to me? Yeah, it's back to you for number four. All right. In my in my family, there's a phrase: "It's not a party without ring baloney." And <laughs> ring baloney, maybe known as beer baloney, some people refer to. There's summer sausage. It is a tube of meat. You cut it up. It kind of like I don't know. It's ring baloney. And I'm looking it up right now. I don't know what it is. Oh, uh, it's like oh, okay, yeah. You've you've seen it at a party? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you put that shit on a cracker with some cheese, man, or just eat it all by itself. Oh, damn it, I meant to do. I was going to do uh, alcohol pairings with these. So with your um, with your garlic bread, my recommendation, Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio, garlic bread goes very nicely together. Um, ring bologna, don't make it too fussy. Get yourself some beer and some ring bologna. Um, maybe some Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock definitely goes with some ring bologna and you will be at a family party uh of the ciders family i i i I, so you a cracker with that uh, some spicy mustard anything i feel like you could should use like what are those what are those little bread pieces called that people uh crudite is that what that is no that's 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 me like a crostini or a crostini yeah 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 one of those you know that usually people put salsa on or whatever yeah, you can Brioche. do that. Crudite is vegetables. Yeah, I remember that now. I, I was not on Top Chef, thank you. <laughs> All right, but if you were, what would be your number four desert island snack? Uh, mozzarella <laughs> string cheese. I love oh. string cheese. Honorable mention on mine. <laughs> I uh, I take usually a string cheese a day to work with me. Um, it's usually one of my favorite parts of my day. Is it's it's <laughs> feeling stressed. I'm gonna eat the string cheese and honestly i think on the psychopathy test um it's the people that just eat the string cheese like it's a twix like those people should immediately be imprisoned because they are certainly not good for society like a string it's called string cheese you eat you eat it the way you're supposed to you don't just bite into the tube of cheese that's I got a coworker who does the the bite into it like a Twix, and I call her out on it. Oh God! I it tastes different when you do it that way. It There's something bad. about pulling it apart. Uh, I don't know if it's the aeration that enhances the mozzarella flavor. I don't know, but, <laughs> but string cheese is supposed to be it's eaten. It's supposed to be pulled like that's <laughs> that's how it works. Do you try to go for like the like thinnest strings, or is yeah. there like a yeah. string size you go for? Yeah. No, I try to go very thin. Honestly, uh, in a pinch, I've even used it like to uh, garnish chili and stuff. I, I'll bring my chili for lunch. Oh man, I forgot my cheese grater. Not needed. Well, I usually I bring a little bag of like shredded cheddar that I put on my on my chili. But I, you know, there have been occasions where I don't. I'm like, well, I have my string cheese. I'm just gonna pull off some string cheese, put that on the chili, and now you've you've also been able to garnish your lunch. That it's not only a great snack, it's also fun and versatile. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, all right. What's, what? 
I think it's me. We're on number three, right? No, I no, didn't do no. my number four. Oh, so wait. my number four is a hard pretzel, like a sourdough pretzel. Huh. I'm a big fan. Uh, like you know, you could go Philly soft pretzel. That's a little too much for me. I like the I like a hard, crunchy pretzel, like a sourdough. Very salty. You could put a little spicy mustard on that. You know, Some if Snyder's if you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. Or um, as me and my coworker uh, at work, we get the uh, the SDPNs from the vending machine, which are the sourdough pretzel nuggets. Oh, yeah, the hers sourdough pretzel nuggets. Also uh, recommend those, but uh, I like a hard sourdough pretzel. Is that why you've kept your teeth in such good shape over the years? Like just so you can bite into those and not worry about like cracking a tooth. I mean, maybe biting into them has uh, strengthened my teeth. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you know what they say, like steel sharpens steel. Yeah. Yeah, we, we should get Dr. Keith on and see if he has any dental friends. <laughs> All right, Chuck, number three. All right. So uh, number four was my side of the family. Number three is my wife's side of the family. It is Rosalind Carter Cheese. Okay, another one I got to look up. Uh, it is phenomenal. So uh, it's... Um, extra sharp uh, cheddar, I believe, uh, grated down uh, with some mayonnaise, I believe onion flakes, um, and a little bit of uh, red pepper um, into it, served with raspberry jelly. So you do a little scoop of the cheese and a little bit of the, the jelly on top. It is wonderful. Um, you get a little bit of the heat from the, um, uh, the red pepper. I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on what it's called um get a little bit of heat from the red pepper the um cheese is nice and smooth the um the jelly uh calms it down i would pair that with champagne i know it seems high fluting but the sweetness of the champagne pairs nicely um with the sort of funkiness of the cheese and the the bit of heat there as well the recipe for this calls for cheddar hellman's mayonnaise pecans onions pepper cayenne pepper and then your jelly actually okay so no pecans uh in the version i have and they replace the onions with onion flakes gotcha okay this seems like a lot of work yeah that does seem that's not something that i'm just going to be able to like whip up at two in the morning when i'm hungry well we didn't put specifications on now, no, no, no i know i know i'm just saying like wow that's a that's a production it's damn tasty though it sounds it good. Is damn tasty Anything with like cayenne pepper in, I'm I'm pretty, pretty. Yeah, and and normally that's not me, obviously, because I no. couldn't remember the name cayenne even. But it was, uh, it's really good. the 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 funkiness of the cheese, the uh, spice, and then the sweetness of the jelly. The funkiness of the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's something they serve at Grateful Dead concerts. Gene, what's your number three, man? Uh, my number three is uh, is a is a an appetizer stand by, uh, standard. It's it's the nachos with uh, cheese and salsa. Uh, specifically, I have uh, become a big okay. fan of the peach mango salsa. I like peach mango mm -hmm. salsa on Tostitos scoops uh, with lots of craft shredded cheddar uh, or, or the Mexican four cheese blend. You get um, some heat in that mango salsa. I uh, you get a little bit of heat, but I do add. Uh, I have uh, the Cholula, which uh, okay. I generously apply over my nachos. 
Chuck, does this sound like something you'd be into? I'm sweating just hearing about it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Um, when you said cheese, I didn't know if you were going to go with uh, queso. Uh, I occasionally I I do do queso. I uh, I don't know. I've been a little bit off of queso. I once got really high in college and uh, was sitting on like the third floor of the far side and uh, was eating queso with just two fingers, and I ate an entire jar and just kept <laughs> saying different classmates' names and weird cadences and cracking myself up. Um, so, like, ever since then, queso has kind of been like a mm, snack for me, but, uh, yeah, no, that was... That's like my I don't know best... if I want to go into explaining any of that. Yeah, <laughs> no. If you know what I'm talking about, you were probably there, honestly. Fair enough. Um, Dave, what's your number my, three? My number three is hummus. Oh, good call. Uh, good call. The old garbanzo beans. Uh, I uh, I'm trying to think like what are my go to. I I like just the standard pine nut. Uh, is pretty good or or roasted red pepper or uh, the olive uh, flavor ones. I usually go with a, a trisket. Huh. Uh, to eat a pretty hearty cracker. Yeah, or 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 a wheat thin. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> In a pinch, I'll I'll use a vegetable. I actually like baby carrots with that. Yeah, but I could crush half a tub of what is what is the the brand Spara or whatever. Yeah, Sabra yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, I'll crush half a tub of that in just one one shot. Yeah, for yeah, me, it's pretzels. Or celery. With oh, hummus. and you got to get those flat pretzels. That's really good with, uh, with hummus. Yeah, like the crust only pretzels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're good. All right, Chuck. Um, it's the top two now. Huh? It's a big, big time now. It is, and this is. Um, we've gone from pretty generic things yeah. make it home to something you're going to buy. Um, I mean, you could make a coffee cake at home, but the Tasty Cake Coffee Cake Junior, um, you can't make it at home. It is, I mean, I guess you could, but it's just really spongy cake with that cinnamon cinnamony uh, uh, streusel topping. It is phenomenal. I could crush a case of those. Um, a case? Okay, find a box. I don't know. The, the Flyers trained me for a case of Tasty Cakes. I'm sure. And there, there's your sports talk for the week. There's your Flyers talk for the week. Um, if pairing something like that with the spice, I think a, a nice Pinot Noir uh, goes well. <laughs> um, with your sort of holiday cinnamony, cinnamony <laughs> spicy uh, coffee cake. So uh, Coffee Cake Junior uh Little individual coffee cakes with the cream in them, those are the shit as well. But if I have to pick one coffee cake, sorry, Drake's, it's gonna be uh, the coffee cake junior from uh, Tasty Cakes. Yeah, now you ever you ever go to a petting zoo like with your kids? No, really, you've never gone to a petting zoo. Have you <laughs> ever been to a petting zoo? <laughs> yes, I've been to a petting zoo. All right, wait a big uh, time, me on the really, well, you've never been to a petting just, zoo. <laughs> I'm trying to do a thing here, just say yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. when you go to a petting zoo, there's like the little vending machine that you put yeah, a quarter yeah. in to get the pellets to feed them. Mm -hmm. Those pellets look like the things on top of a tasty cake. They do. That's what I think of every time I eat a coffee cake 
a tasty cake coffee cake i and i see those little pellets on there i like it's like oh it's like the petting zoo (laughs) (laughs) i mean i was gonna go i was about to big time you did you never have rabbits as a child, no, I didn't. <laughs> Rabbit food looks like that. Yeah. If you want a pet that you know lives for twenty years and doesn't do much, <laughs> get a rabbit. Nice. Gene, your number two. All right, my number two is uh, also a tasty cake product, but uh, Entenmann's doesn't do a bad job with them. It's uh, the 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 LCD or the little chocolate donut. Oh yeah. Um, uh, rarely do I get into a Wawa and not come out with a pack of little chocolate donuts, um, unless my my mom's with me and she reminds me of my glucose levels. And real quick, uh, you're blaming <laughs> toast for your diabetes, but you can't pass a Wawa without leaving with a little thing of chocolate donuts. Maybe I should just blame me and my willpower. Maybe you don't I- know how much sugar he's putting on that toast, Chuck. Oh, <laughs> so much sugar. Um. But yeah, no, I love little chocolate donuts. For a long time, when I was in high school, they used to sell them for like a like fifty cents when you would get. So I would get to school. It was the only reason I went to school on time most of the t- most days was so that I would be able to get my package of little chocolate donuts before I had to go to my first class. Um, and I would keep them in my suit jacket because I went to a school where you had to wear suit jackets in the in the hallway, and uh, sometimes they would melt, and uh, that would be gross. Um, but yeah, you know that was mostly when it was warm. So, little chocolate donuts. Those are a great snack. Did you only... Eugene's white shirt underneath his jacket <laughs> with, like, a shroud of Torin, like, Christ's head from, <laughs> from the little chocolate donuts on it. Chuck, those Gene, are the days... Only... Those are the days you don't take your jacket off when you get to class. Sorry, I'm a rookie. I mean, did you only go with the LCDs, or did you ever go with, like, the LPDs? Uh, LPDs if the little chocolate donuts were not available. Okay. We also yeah. would get, uh, they also would get those honey, uh, the honey buns, which we had a very disgusting, vulgar term uh, for. Not a fan of the honey buns. Yeah, no, I wasn't so much either, either and when, uh, you know, the obnoxious upperclassmen used to call them jizz, bu- uh, jizz buns, that they, nice. they, right. uh, they became <laughs> I, less I available. thought we were going to be able to dodge that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But we, have to, we have to have a reason to have this thing with adult language. <laughs> now, now to, to backtrack to something slightly more wholesome <laughs> um the little chocolate donuts since you do love them so i'm i'm assuming you're familiar with the classic snl sketch of john belushi and his breakfast of champions of little chocolate donuts yeah <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, well, we needed it. I, I, uh, I imagine that was probably where where my my first exposure to little chocolate donuts came. Uh, let's just whip through uh, my number two and get to the number ones. My number two is uh, cheese crackers and pepperoni. Just the just the spread. <laughs> just cut it up. Chuck's laughing because in in college I would take just the pepperoni slices and just eat a cup of pepperoni (laughs) (laughs) but but i will often just cut up (laughs) cut up some cheese and pepperoni some crackers a little mustard Eh, that's a good snack (laughs) it wouldn't just be eating slices of pepperoni it would be you'd get like a a clear plastic like solo cup 
go to like I guess a salad bar or wherever, just grab a stack of pepperoni and just be sitting there eating pepperoni from a cup, like it's like a, like a cup of noodles or something. And I mean, if you ever want to know why we consider Dave such an Italian stereotype, it's it's things like that. Like, what are you having for lunch? Oh, pepperoni from a cup. What's your number one, Chuck? Um, my number one once got a girl to make out with me at a party. Um, Doritos. <laughs> the girl did not want to eat the Doritos herself and saw a rather stoned freshman <laughs> chowing down on Doritos and then um, <laughs> asked me to make out with her. That's not the reason. The reason I love them so is because Doritos are fantastic. And they are a wonderful snack. Give, if you're going to Wawa, get me a pack of Doritos. Uh, I'm happy to have them. Uh, wine pairings, you have two options. If you really want something to go on head to head with the boldness of the Dorito, uh, grab yourself a, a Cabernet. Um, but that does fight for attention with the Dorito. If you want something that complements it and brings out the cheesiness, go with a sort of buttery Chardonnay. What are like your top three Dorito flavors? Number one, nacho cheese Doritos. Just number one, by far. Number two, ranch. Number three, no answer. Okay. You just like a two-man game there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And this is only the, the, the nacho cheese Doritos. Gotcha. All right. Gene, what, Doritos, you like Doritos? Uh, yeah, I like Doritos. the spicy, the, the spicy chili ones myself. Mm, they're good. <laughs> my number one, uh, one of my one of my earliest memories as a kid was going to see uh, a particular movie in theaters, probably in its theatrical run in like 1983. And uh, product placement was not really as talked about as it is now, but there was a lot of product placement for this in this film. And it was Reese's Pieces. Um, uh. And, uh, you know, I guess it left an impression. I guess that's, that uh, subliminal advertising worked on me. And uh, it's been probably my favorite, um, you know, bite-sized candy as long as I can remember. And uh, another thing that uh, people who do this should also be immediately imprisoned are people that put Reese's Pieces and Skittles in the same bowl. Um, what? Those people should be strung up by their thumbs. Wait, that's a thing? I've never seen that. Uh, you've never. Certainly, I'm hoping that nobody else other than me ever had to go through it again because somebody uh, did it one day. It's often, we'll, at work, sometimes we'll have a bowl of candy. Uh, like on the thing where, and this is probably something that will never happen again. Um, this will be something from a bygone era. Yeah, um, no kidding. But uh, we would have they had a bowl of candy that like on the desk, and as you would walk out, uh, you could you could grab some candy, I guess. Um, and one afternoon, there was the Reese's Pieces and Skittles combination in the bowl. That had to have been a prank. And if you didn't look, obviously, I mean, if you really pay attention, you can tell the difference between a Reese's sure. Pieces and a, and a Skittle. But if you just grab a handful of what you think are delicious Reese's Pieces and you get a couple Skittles mixed in there, it 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 is jarring, to say the least. Yeah, peanut butter and, like, grape. Yeah. Or, like, wine. <laughs> no. That doesn't work. And it does not, it's not like one of those fun things where it's like, ooh, it kind of tastes like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, it just tastes like a horror show. All right. But generally right. speaking, I love Reese's Pieces, 
and uh, I would eat them every day if I could. What's your tolerance for people pronouncing it Reese's Pieces? Uh, it's pretty high because, like, it usually means that they've got some. So, <laughs> are you holding pieces? What are pieces? You've never heard people call that that call them that Reese's Pieces? Well, I used to no. work at I used to work at a snack bar, uh, and it was one of the things that we sold. And uh, a lot of the campers that would come through the the pool when we would, you know, can I have a box of Reese's Pieces? That's how they would. That's how they would talk. Uh, it's just an overpronunciation <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I wouldn't associate myself with those people. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, don't ask me to say the name of that snack like randomly. Wait, was I saying it right, Chuck? Reese's Pieces. Well, that's the wrong way to say it. It's Reese's Pieces. Well, the um, Pieces I... thing is clear. No matter how you say Reese's or Reese's, Pieces is still how you say Pieces. Because no, it, no, you rhyme Reese's with Pieces. <laughs> so it's Reese's <laughs> Pieces. Pieces isn't a word. Yeah, but when you're fucking four, a lot of things you don't know are words or not. Like, like how the hell are you supposed to discern that? Like, oh, I'll think all oh, the Reese's pieces, please. <laughs> the little pieces of Reese. Like, oh, we love them so much. No, somebody says, here's like, here, here's, here's warm peanut butter in a soft shell. Have at it. Why are they the Reese's pieces? Uh, uh, okay, my number one is a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what are you anorexic that's not, <laughs> not to no i don't know what to say a cup of coffee or... a cup of coffee a cup of tea a latte whatever I, i'm just saying like i can't count how many times throughout the day i just go ah, i need a cup of coffee or I, I you know i need a cup of tea i need something i need something to sip on a hot beverage <laughs> uh so that's it you know hey it's not food you know you don't eat coffee but that's my snack. Not even like, like, the, like the biscotti that you would dunk in it. You wouldn't. You wouldn't qualify that. I. I sure that's nice, but it's nothing without the coffee. You're not going to go. Oh, I'll just have a biscotti or a Stella Doro. <laughs> uh, it's, I. I mean, you can call it a snack if you want to. It's not a snack. It. <laughs> it. It's. It's a like. Do you call like alcohol a snack? Do you call like <laughs> is a beer a snack? It could, yeah, yeah, it could. <laughs> I think it could be a snack because you're not. I don't even say it's not like oh I'm thirsty, I need a cup of coffee. It's no, my addiction cries out <laughs> for more caffeine. Uh, maybe a cigarette could be a snack. <laughs> 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 I think we officially broke Chuck this time. Uh, my top five snacks: coffee, <laughs> bump of cocaine. <laughs> you call these snacks? What am I supposed to do with these crackers? I don't see any PCP anywhere. Jesus Christ! We got PCs. We yeah. got some Reese's PCs. And I gotta say, unlike putting the Reese's Pieces and Skittles in the same bowl, man, when you put the Reese's Pieces and the PCP in the same bowl, you're at a party. You're at a party, man. 
Okay, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> Chuck, you got to pick a, a game for us uh, for next week's rewatch. <coughs> Not right now. I'm just assigning you homework. Okay. Um, all, right. all right. I have a few ideas. We'll we'll work on something. Great. We'll get that out to we'll get that out to everyone. So that's all the time we have for this week. If you haven't done so already, please remember to. Oh shit! Are we doing Chuck's penalty box? We can. I have one. <laughs> sure. I'm not yeah, editing this out, by the way. Yeah, no, <laughs> You're no, not. No, not this part. Well, it's uh, it's clearly an error. Oh, all right. Then I'll edit it out. That's fine. You can leave it. Just be laboring <laughs> it at this point while I get the sound effects up. It's quarantine, man. There, there, there's, there's no. This is a judgment-free pandemic. <laughs> All right, Gene, you said you had one, so no throw to Chuck's penalty box? That's fine. Gene, who's in your penalty box? I I actually ventured out into the world this week, and um, I had to pick up some prescriptions, so I went to the CVS, and let me tell you, uh, it's a jungle out there, folks. Um, You know, the the mishmash of humanity, some of uh, people are really following the guidelines uh, to the letter. Uh, some people, uh, I don't think, got the message that we're in a pandemic. They've just been going about their business. Um, so, you know, you protect yourself. Uh, and in this particular case, there was, um, I, I had to uh, collect my prescriptions. And then the other thing I was there to get was new toothbrushes. So I went, I got new toothbrushes. And you have to wait. In, and at this point, I'm waiting in the other line. Uh, there are no cashiers anymore. So you, you go to the self-checkout. And... Uh, uh, I was beh- two behind uh, a, a, a lady who uh, was doing her best. She had a, a scarf around her head, uh, and she had latex gloves on. Uh, here's the problem. Uh, she wanted to continue to text, so she had cut the fingertips off of the latex gloves. So, lady, that's, that's a penalty. If you <laughs> cut the tips off the gloves they're no longer going to function in the way in which they were intended, which is to protect you from like picking your nose and putting your virus on other things. Uh, not that that would happen. And you know, if you have the glove off, but at least then it would protect you when you put your finger back near your face. Um, but yeah, so the lady who, in order to still text, cut the fingers off of her latex glove. That's a penalty. All right, uh, we did an 80s retro throwback for our game, uh, but nobody likes fingerless gloves when it's a pandemic. So lady who chose texting over people living, um, you are getting a, a six-foot um, quarantine radius and 20 minutes washing your hands. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? NBA is uh, thinking about doing a horse contest with NBA players playing horse. Okay. To entertain us. I don't know. Like, to me, it's like, let's do the retro game stuff and then bring it back when it's ready to come back in its fullest form. I'm not going to – I can't watch – I can't watch a horse contest. I just – I don't know. To me, it's like now we're going to have NBA players playing checkers or like it's just anything. So long as it's an NBA player doing it, I'm supposed to be like all like, uh, 
So, uh, you know, NBA, like, it's cool. Like, I, I appreciate you trying, but, like, just chill out. Take a step back. Like, let's wait till everything can come back and then play actual basketball and games. Are they going to do it virtually? Like, they'll be in two different gyms, and then, like, I'll shoot mine in Utah, and, and then the other guy will shoot in his gym in Portland? They're not going to be actually in the same place, right? I, I mean, I, they could be in the same place, right? As so long as they each have their own ball and they're they stay socially distant. I yeah, don't know. and they move around and maybe they put up sneeze guards or something between them. Maybe. I guess it could work. Okay. <laughs> NBA. Uh, Dave doesn't want... <laughs> Dave doesn't want your bullshit basketball. Give him the real thing or give him nothing at all. Uh, you're getting uh, an H for missing the first shot. NBA is getting an H for missing the first shot. Chuck, is who is in your penalty box? Uh, in my penalty box is Sonic the Hedgehog, and he knows what he fucking did. Sonic the Hedgehog, <laughs> you're getting a lifetime ban from the Ciders household. Yo, man, you got to elaborate on that, dude. What What are you talking about? Well, the whole the, well, the whole joke was going to be that I didn't elaborate, <laughs> okay. but it's fine. My son has just been obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog, oh. and there's he can't get past like the third level. So, oh, he, this is a, this is the game. I thought maybe you saw the movie or something. Like no, that. no, this is the game, the original game, downloaded it on the iPhone, and he'll play the first level. He'll play the second level, and he gets kind of like cocky about it. And then he can't beat the third level, so he hands me the phone for Dr. Robotnik. And then he gets to the second, like, World. zone. Yeah. And I remember that at, like, 10, the second zone being a marked, you know, increase in difficulty. And it's just frustration abounds. I'm like, we don't need this. We don't, like, the kids aren't sleeping. They're not... Uh, the, hey, man, good on you, fun. though, for being able to take down Dr. Robotnik on an iPhone. Yeah, it wasn't easy. <laughs> but like now my son brags about me. Like my wife comes in the room, it's like, Dad's really good at Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Now that really is all the time we have for today. And if you haven't done so already, uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. And if you have any time left in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out The Whip Around, our sister show, which will get you all the week's weird news. Um, so we'll be back next Monday with another classic rewatch and another Desert Island Top 5. Until then, have a great day at work, everybody, whether you're going in or staying home. Stay safe. We are out of here. Peace.